Folks, with the NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing and the NHL season in full swing, lest you forget, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all of the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Enjoy the show. So, Quakes, how was your New Year's? I'll tell you what, Steve. It was phenomenal. It's 2024. Oh. It's 2024. One year closer to, um, I don't know. It's one year closer to something. Something good. <laughs> something it good. sounds like a... Oh, see, you're going good. I was thinking like a doomsday clock. Like no. It sounds ominous. No. I, I don't do the whole doomsday clock thing. Like, people are like, oh, it's about to hit midnight. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? What do you Gotta know? live my life. Gotta yeah. live my life. Sorry, if, Dr. Manhattan. I think there's a, there's like this, um, people think there's like this asteroid that's coming at us and they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's going to hit us in 30 years or whatever. But like, apparently the space nerds are saying that it's going to go away from us now. So like, that's not anything to worry about apparently. And well, listen, we've already yeah. figured out that technology. You just send a bunch of miners up to the asteroid. They drill a hole into it and put a nuclear bomb in the middle. Easy peasy. It's very easy. Um, actually, don't you not want to do that? No, you want to do that. You get Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Michael Clark Duncan, rest yeah. in power. And uh, uh, Liv Tyler stays on Earth as motivation. And uh, it all and Steve Buscemi, who gets face madness and it all goes well. Uh, of course, I am referencing the film Armageddon, which is not realistic in any way, shape or form. I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to miss a thing. But. Yeah, here we are talking about Armageddon less than five minutes into the show. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Bruce Willis is going to be going to the moon anytime soon on account of, you know, yeah, brains. Listen, the, the thing, not, the, I guess upon further reflection, not a lot of great things have happened to the cast of Armageddon. I mean, we've all seen the paparazzi photos of Ben Affleck and listen. We all think he's got a happy life with J-Lo, but we've seen those paparazzi photos of him getting his Duncan in the morning. Things are not going well for Ben Affleck at all times. I, I, yeah, sometimes he goes through it, but you know what? Who doesn't go through it every once in a while? I'll tell you what. So this is a great response to your question. So during uh, New Year's, (laughs) during, during New Year's, I was up in New York City for uh, Go Birds for, um, uh, Uh, well, yeah, or maybe not go birds, but we were. I, uh, I, was, well, I mean, go birds, but they depress me to no end. But they make me uh, want. Let's not talk about the birds. We're yeah. not here to talk about sad things like asteroids hitting in forty years and Bruce Willis and the birds. No, we're not talking about that. This we're is a positive, and we're talking yeah. about your positive experience in New York City. New York. It's a new. This is a positive start to. This is going to be a positive first episode to the year twenty twenty four for the new season of fly purbly. So, um, but so I went up to New York city. My girlfriend is from Westchester, New York. So money. And basically we were in New York city and we had some of the best food I've had in so long. And listen, like I'm from, for those of you who don't know, I am from Richmond, Virginia. So not exactly a good food city, like Philadelphia, great food city, New York city, one of the best food cities. So going up there and having actual I'm Philly food. up there. I, I've been all around the United States and you know what? I'm putting Philly up there as one of the best food cities. God damn it. We have Zahab motherfuckers. Come on. We're great. I'd say Philly is a top six food city in the United States. It has to. All be. right. Good. It yeah. has to be. Um, but like we went up there and just having a real food that tastes good and was just incredible. <laughs> like, I feel like such a, I'm so depressed being back down in the mid Atlantic 
with nothing here except for fucking Americanized tacos and burritos at these half-assed Mexican joints run by someone named Todd Jones. Like, <laughs> Mr. Jones. <laughs> Mr. Jones Tacos. Is that the, you should do the promos for Mr. Jones Tacos. Yeah. You got uh, it right there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh. No, like it's, yeah, I'm bummed to be back down here with not that great food. But I'll tell you what, I got it. I got the year started off on the right foot with some of the best food I've had in a long time. So that's good. Love to hear that. I ate very well for New Year's as well. Grabbed dinner over at uh, Bing Bing. Great little dim sum joint on Passyunk with uh, with the, the wonderful Kelly Hankel over from uh you know, Broad Street Hockey, of course, you know, Kelly and Emily and I got dinner and it was a, a great time. The flyby. The flyby herself, Kelly Hinkle. We had a an awesome time. And then we all went home, got into our PJs and had quiet evenings from there. And uh, I, I enjoyed a couple. I too, it was great. I enjoyed a couple old fashions and uh, chill and got me some some peach bitters for Christmas. And I tried those out and they were very nice. That sounds very sexy. I love that. Oh, I, you know, I love to have a good sexy time, as you well know. Yes, you do, Steve. Oh, I know. Oh, baby. Yes, yes. All about those sexy times. But, you know, it it was a nice, quiet New Year's for me, which in past years, I have done my damnedest to get away from Philadelphia on New Year's because I love Philadelphia, a phenomenal food city. And, you know, it's my home. I love Philly, but there's one day I don't love Philly, and that's New Year's Day. And the thing about New Year's Day in Philadelphia is you either love it or you hate it because it is the mummer's time to shine. And if you don't know what the mummers, and I found out just before the show today that Ryan Quigley does not know what the mummers are. <laughs> the mummers are a very special Philadelphia tradition. Um, they are a, a gang of very, very drunk South Philly guys. I mean, they're from all over Philly, right? But they're area guys that get together and they make a bunch of costumes and floats and they put on sketches and they play instruments and they do a parade down Broad Street every year on New Year's Day. And it's a huge deal. And the the, the sketches... Is this an organized think, thing or is this just a makeshift thing that they just do? Uh, it's a little from column A, a little from column B. It is organized for sure. Okay. Uh, these guys spend like all year working on this. They have clubhouses throughout Philadelphia that they'll meet at and they'll plan their sketches and they'll plan their like their bits and everything. And I think they're kind of infamous because like some of the sketches and bits can be uh, a little, uh, a little spicy, a little hot takey, uh, a little cringy. You know, there could be some, uh, some rough comedy being thrown in there, but people seem to have a great time with it. It's loud. It is drunken. It's offensive. It's Philadelphia. Right. And it just it, like Jason Kelsey, right? Jason Kelsey, when he gave his infamous uh, Super Bowl you know, win speech for the Eagles. That's a mummer's outfit he's wearing. That's the kind of stuff that the mummers wear. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I just, it's the thing that you either lean into and you fully embrace, like you wake up at fucking 8 AM and you start chugging beers and listening to loud music and doing the mummer strut, or you get the hell out of Dodge and go enjoy a quiet time up at the Finger Lakes like I did last year. But uh, my my old house used to be located around the corner from two different Mummers Clubs. So a pickup truck would pull up to the corner at 8 a.m. and start blasting dance music and wouldn't stop until like 9 or 10 p.m. Like, and if you weren't into that, you were miserable. Imagine being hungover. And just wanting to eat some greasy food and just hang out. And you're just hearing like dance music outside all friggin' day. I would murder people, many people, right. several people. So I've taken vacation, strategic vacation for New Year's a few times where I've stayed at my friends in the burbs. Like I have gotten away because it's not my thing. It's just not. I've gone down. So. There's the parade down Broad Street. There's also the Mummers Clubs will go down 2nd Street, or as the uh, native Philadelphians would call it, 2 Street. 
and they'll go down Tate Street and they'll kind of have a secondary parade. And it is a total shit show. I saw Philly's broadcaster, Larry Anderson, there one time who was enjoying a few beverages. Great time. It's insane, though. It's pure insanity. And it's one of the most chaotic things. Like, I, I think the three most chaotic things I've ever seen for Philadelphia are the parades for the uh, the Phillies and the Eagles, the celebration after the Eagles both went to the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl, the celebration on Broad Street, and then Two Street for the Mummers. Just absolute chaos, just the drunkest people you've ever seen. Again, if you're if you lean into it and you're into that, you're going to have one of the best times of your life. If you're not into it, back away slowly or back away quickly, whatever works for you. Yeah, it sounds like a chaotic time. And honestly, I, I'm very much in favor of chaotic times of any fashion. So that's it actually sounds pretty fun. But I feel like the people of Philadelphia should all experience a, a true mummer shit show once. If you like it, keep on going. If you don't, just do what I do. But the thing is, my new neighborhood, so I moved back in the summer, as I'm sure most of you know at this point, and my new neighborhood, I didn't hear very much at all. It was much calmer, and I very much enjoyed it. I could stay at home. Brucey didn't have to hear this and go nuts. I gotta say, Brucey boy did fantastic with the fireworks. No issues at all. A real champ. Our pup, the fly pup, the fly, fly per puppy did fantastic. He is the best. You're the man now, dog. And yeah, it was a, it was a happy new year's and I, I got to rest and relax and then go back to the grind, both in uh, my day job and the pod grind today. Something that's been driving me up a fucking wall, Steve, are people who are setting off fireworks at midnight, like as soon as it hits midnight on Christmas day. Ooh. So it is Christmas Eve, and then at 11.59 and 59 seconds, they start setting off fireworks. And the, my dogs were losing their – they're completely losing their minds. They do not do well with fireworks. They were all horrified, and um, I had to let them all sleep in my room with me because they were just not – it wasn't going well. So, um, yeah, I, I don't like this new this – new, uh, a kind of, I don't, I don't know what to call it. This this kind of people have really leaned into fireworks in the past yeah. Few like years. people like, are it, just setting them off for anything. Oh, for sure. And that was one of the big problems when I mean there were a ton of problems when COVID hit. But people were so bored that first summer of COVID that they were just setting off as many damn fireworks as they could because they, like the thing was like it was safer outside. So yeah. people were outside just setting off fireworks left and right, like crazy. And it was like, and the thing about living in a major city is when you hear fireworks, you play this terrifying game called, Oh, is that fireworks or gunshots? Yeah. Cause gunshots sound like fireworks. So it's a valid question at any time you hear fireworks in a major city. Do we know the statistics on like shooting victims like, if they go up on 4th of July? I have no idea, but I'm sure they do. Because, you know, people do fire guns in the air like a bunch of jackasses. Like, yeah. it does happen. So I'm sure that there's increased... Like, I'm sure the 4th of July, especially because it's hotter. Like, there are statistics, and don't ask me to cite them. I don't have them. I'm not being Joe Rogan, I swear to you. But there are statistics that I've seen before that when it's hotter there are more violent incidents, you know, like crime does go up when it's warmer because, you know, I don't know. People are more irritated. I don't know the science behind it. Okay. I saw a really weird episode of an Alfred Hitchcock show one time where a guy was yelling about the temperature going to a hundred degrees and going, there's gotta be a murder. Very funny. Not in the way I don't think they intended, but it was funny to me. But the thing is like, I imagine in the summer, there's a little bit more violence than say like New Year's Eve, but I'm sure New Year's Eve sees its its share of violence from gun crime because, you know, people can either cover it up with fireworks sound or they're just setting off guns like jackasses when uh, it hits midnight. Well, Steve, I can explain it all to you right now. During the summer, the sun's out. And when the sun's out, oh, wow. the guns are out. There you go. It's that's So my guns right are there. out and those are weapons of mass destruction. Um, it's true. They are not destruction. I can confirm that they are not. So the gun show is not, is not being featured on this fly purbly. 
Oh, but I, we we wish we were doing video right now because I'm flexing my non-existent <laughs> biceps. No, I got some. I got some biceps. You got, I got some, some biceps. biceps. Yeah, they're there. I was, I was on my way to getting some, and then they they sent us to work from home while they renovated the office, and then I stopped going to the gym. So guess Damn. what? All the progress went away this fall. Rip. Yeah. R.I.P.D. My muscles. Uh, welcome back. Fatty, fat, fat, fat. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna dwell on all that. Okay. I'm gonna get back to the gym eventually. It's gonna happen. But you know what? I needed to do stuff around the house. I needed to hang out with Brucey boy over here. You know, stuff needed to happen. But regardless, we had a healthy and happy New Year's and Christmas, and we are back. We are ready to be productive for the rest of the year. Let me tell you, and you know who hasn't been productive so far in the New Year's? Me. It's our Philadelphia Flyers and Ryan Quigley. Yes, the Philadelphia Flyers. It is time for the annual Disney on Ice trip. And, you know, I I, I wrote a little ditty to the tune of A Whole New World from Aladdin to, to commemorate this year's Disney on Ice trip. I can show you a team that loses on the West Coast. When they travel because they have been kicked out of the fog. Disney on ice. A trip that's bad for the flyers. It is a West Coast tour where Philly don't soar. I'd like to lose Disney on ice with you. That was bad. And I would love, to, I'm not going to listen to this episode over again, just so I can avoid listening to that again. Good, um, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> Excellent work, Steve. Excellent work. Thank you. Listen, it wasn't supposed to be good. It was just supposed to be mildly amusing. Yeah. And it certainly checked the box. There we go. I'm all about checking boxes, about doing that mere minimum. And the Flyers. There you go. I don't know if they quite checked the box. I don't know if they did the bare minimum on this road trip, but one, two, and one. They beat the Canucks four to one. They lost to the Kraken two to one in overtime. They lost to the Flames four to three. And then it all collapsed in a loss to the Edmonton Oilers five to two. Yeah, it was not the best trip, but it is the Disney on ice trip. Most years it goes very, very poorly for the Flyers. And. It didn't go great. And I, part of that, I really hated the scheduling on this to do that Canucks game to start the trip and then to have the Kraken the next night and like have them travel and then have back to back games in different cities. Like, that's just asinine. Different countries. It's different countries. I mean, totally different granted, countries. Vancouver and Seattle are pretty damn close, but like still it's still yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. And it's funny because like historically the Flyers have been awful on the Disney on ice trip. And it's just funny that like this year when the Flyers appear to be actually like actually good, they did as expected on the Disney on ice trip, which is, which is poorly. And then last season when the Flyers were abysmal, like absolutely horrendous, they swept it. So it just, it makes no sense at all. Um, there's no rhyme or reason who knows why this is, this is such an issue for them. But, uh, yeah, this year was not their best year on the Disney on ice trip. And, uh, yeah. And it, it just looked like it started kind of early on. Like we saw in the, they played great in the Vancouver game. That was another big win against a good team. Um, and then in the Kraken game, that's when they started to look just like really tired and exhausted. Dude, they were just, they had no legs in the third period of yeah. that game. They were just gassed. And again, I get it because traveling cross country and then having to play back-to-back games is just like, it's hard. You're just asking for a team to lose one of those games. Yeah. Now, granted, I will say I did not see the Flames game. I was, uh, I think I was pretty drunk. Um, it, was, it was New Year's Eve. It was New Year's you know, Eve. Like, yeah, I was on vacation. I was I was visiting my girlfriend in uh, New her family in New York. So uh, we were all having a grand old time. And um, you were, yeah, uh, I did watching not Dick Clark's rocking New Year's Eve. Oh yeah, big Dick Clark fan. Ryan Quigley. No, I watched. I didn't. I did one of those classic had the flames game on on the side while doing some stuff, and I paid a lot of attention, but not a hundred percent attention, but it was one that I think the flyers could have had, but they just, 
was not their A game that night. And and frankly, of all the games here, you know, I'm I was really glad they won that Canucks game because the Canucks have been really friggin' good at home. Yeah. So that was a hell of a win for them. And the Kraken were on a heater going into that game. Like to beat the Kraken or, you know, to take the Kraken to overtime, that's actually just fine because the Kraken were on a heater and the Flyers were gassed. You know, all the circumstances we talked about. That Flames game, though, they had some rest, right? Like that was a game they could. And the Flames, I mean, how are the Flames doing this year? I know they had some some struggles early on. Have they bounced back significantly since that point? Um, I'll be honest. I haven't kept two. I haven't really kept tabs on the. Who gives a West shit about the Calgary Coast. Flames? Let's be honest. Oh, I. So it's actually funny you say that because whenever I play Puck Doku, I always have a really hard time with the Flames because I just oh always they're like mostly they're kind of irrelevant. Like they're not right. They don't really. I, they I, don't I, go far in the playoffs. They're not a great regular season team either. They're always kind of. They're kind of like the Flyers, like constantly middling. Oh, well, you want to hear about middling. bad to middle. The Flames record is 16, 16 and five. Yeah. So literally the definition of middling. Yeah, exactly. So they're sixth in the Pacific right now. They have 37 points. They are five, three and two in their last 10. And that includes the win over the Flyers. But, you know, they're, they're not the best team. That was a very winnable game for the Flyers. And that was one where they they had a chance late. And Torts pulled the goaltender fairly early and the Flames scored a goal to basically give them a two goal lead. And then the Flyers actually scored again to make it a one goal game again. And then they ended up losing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's yeah. It's one of those nights where they just they weren't playing their best hockey. And um, now, granted, again, I didn't see the whole game, but like from what I could tell, it, it wasn't quintessential John Tortorella Flyers hockey. No. And if you're going to have a skid, I mean, it's like it always I always feel bad for these guys because they have to go on the road away from their flyer away from their families during one of the most like, you know, worst times of the year to do that in the holiday season. Like they get to celebrate Christmas like, all right, I got to go. I won't see you for New Year's because I'm going to be on the road in the fucking Pacific Northwest playing a bunch of Canadian teams that most Americans don't care about. You know, it's not not ideal, but. If there was one tale of the tape I could really tell from looking in the stat lines in all of these games, it is the power play continuing to be a problem. They went one for three in Vancouver, over three in Seattle, over four in Calgary, and man, in a one goal game, you better believe that's a difference maker, and over four in Edmonton. And Edmonton, they were overmatched. This was not the Oilers they played earlier in the year. This is a team that's figured things out a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. And frankly, you have a team with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. You got to be prepared for goals. Yeah. I mean, that that's the one thing you couldn't do was give the Edmonton Oilers a lot of power play time. And of course, what did the Flyers do? They gave them a shitload of power play time. So, yeah, not great. You don't love to see that at all. Um, no. But the, it's a problem that the short, like, I love the power kill and they should keep on doing that with the power kill. But it's a legit problem when your penalty kill is consistently outscoring your power play. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. They had two shorthanded goals on the trip, one power play goal. That's insane. It's it's wild. So, Steve, I'm going to read you something insane here, okay? Um, so, the Philadelphia Flyers have let's see i'm just pulling up the stats real fast they have their power play of course is is it's well documented abysmal like absolutely horrendous to start there it's the 32nd ranked power play in the entire nhl this they are currently on pace to be once again for the third consecutive year the worst power play in the league um so the, I mean, how about that three years running they are getting ready to you know have the worst power play in the league um they are officially on 118 power play opportunities they have scored 12 goals <laughs> so what so here is all right so if you give the flyers a full game's worth of a power play Let's pretend the Flyers are on the power play for an entire 60-minute NHL hockey game. 
at that pace, they score three goals in an entire 60-minute hockey game of power play time. They would score three goals. Yikes. That's how bad they are. Like, if you look at literally any other team, like, you give the New Jersey Devils a full game of five of, of a power play, they score 12 goals. So it's it's ridiculous. It's it's you literally have another player. Like it's one of those great mysteries to me. You have an extra player and you can't figure out a way to take advantage of that. It's nuts to me, especially for a good team. Like if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets and your power play blows, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes sense. You're the Columbus Blue Jackets. Even Chicago, like I mean Chicago granted has Connor Bedard who is the real deal. Like he's legit great. But they're still pretty ass beyond him. They're actually hot fried ass beyond him, Yeah, you know, or the sharks, right? Like who do the fucking sharks have at this point? Those are teams that make sense to have shit power plays. The flyers are good. They're actually a good team. That's hanging tough in the standings and they just can't score with an extra player. It makes no sense to me. Like it is, I've been not been frustrated because I've been trying to, you know, as I said, like take it real easy with this team, not have high expectations, but if there's one point of frustration with this team, it is the power play. You know, this is like some basic shit that would really make a huge difference for this team in the standings right now. Like they have been good and beyond expectations, but they could be a lot better. The penalty kill is literally almost as good at generating goals as the Flyers power play. Like the it's Flyers are the Flyers are literally almost as good at scoring with one man Le- with one less skater on the ice than when they have an additional skater on the ice. They have nine shorthanded goals this season and they have 12 power play goals. Like, I really, I, I wish I could place a bet on if they were going to have more penalty kill shorthanded goals or power play goals by the end of the season. Cause I'm really feeling like it's going to be the penalty kill at this point. It's going to be shorthanded. And I, I love this stat from a friend of the show toe for the gopher. If it flies, it spies said, here's a fun fact for you. TK, the jerk store himself has twice as many shorthanded goals as he has power play goals. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> that's actually pretty crazy. I would. It's pretty that. wild. Yeah. yeah. Weird, wild stuff. So I, I think something that I think is interesting, I'm doing a little uh, fun little experiment here. So the Flyers power play um, is currently, it has a 10.2% conversion rate, which is bad, in case you didn't know. Not great, no. The Flyers penalty kill, on the other hand, has a, conver- and when I say conversion rate, I mean like, this is the percentage of time that it would take them to, you know, what's the percentage that they score a goal while shorthanded and just crunching some numbers here for them. It would be, it would be a 0.78%. So not that far off from the flyers, uh, power play efficiency. That's insanity. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Can they, ju- why can't they just play the the power play like they it's do bizarre. the penalty kill it's like, bizarre like it, I, I don't know what like i know that like you know th- there are systems that go into it and everything and i, I listen i'm not going to sit here and point the point the finger at uh rocky thompson or anything like yeah he might be it, it's very possible that he's just a bad power play coach like that is certainly a possibility um but also the i mean listen when you have good players they should be scoring goals on the power play. I mean, I mean, it, it just, you could put anybody as the power play coach on the Edmonton Oilers. And guess what? They're going to score goals because they have Leon Dreisaitl. They have Connor McDavid. They have Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They, like they have good players who can score on the power play and who have a proven history of scoring on the power play for the flyers. It's, it's, it's weird because like you do have a few good players. Like you still have Sean Couturier, who's like, despite everything he's been through over the last couple of years, he's, he's pretty much back. It would look like, like he, he's playing to his, his borderline all-star level. Um, you, so you got Couturier playing at a high level. You got Travis Konechny, who's the best player on the team, frankly. Um, and like, even those two guys aren't scoring on the power play. Owen Tippett, we've seen him score goals and he's not scoring on the power. Like no one can score. And it's just like, it makes you wonder, like, if these players who have 
proven to be good away from the power play cannot score on the power play, well, then what's the problem? And it makes you wonder if it is, in fact, the coaching. Right. I, there's, there's something going wrong with it. And they haven't had a good power play since Joe Mullen at this point. And it, this is rock bottom, though, because, again, this team should not be this bad on the power play. There's just no reason for it. And here we are. They're just abysmal. Okay, can you tell me who the leading power play goal scorer is on the team? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to say Sean Couturier. Tyson Forrester with three. No way. Really? Yep, yep. Travis Konechny's got two. Sean Couturier's got two. Bobby Brink has two. Owen Tippett has one. Morgan Frost has one. And Zamula has one. Igor Zamula has one. <laughs> That's crazy. Among the players among the players that do not have a power play goal for the Flyers this season. Joel Farabee. Big one right there. Well, it, would help, it would help if he was used on the power play, first of all. It would. So. I would. Well, I, that, I think that's a glaring error right there in coaching. The way he's been playing, the scorers. way Joel Farabee has been playing right now, there is not a single player on the Flyers more deserving of getting power play time than Joel Farabee. It's like, he's been playing insane. excellent recently. Travis Sanheim, Cam Atkinson, Scott Lawton, uh, Cam York. You know, these are guys that I, you'd think one of them would have a power play goal between them. But nope, nada, nothing. I really expected Cam York to be like a solid producer on the power play this year. And he, it just, it just has not panned out for him on the power play yet. I don't, I don't know if that's yet. something that'll come, you know, come around for him. Like I, I, who knows? Maybe he's just not as good a power play quarterback as he was with uh, like prior to the NHL. So I, I it don't could know, be. but I mean, the NHL is a different game, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it just moves that much faster, but it, to his credit, Travis Sanheim does lead the team in power play assists with four. Couturier's got three. Atkinson's got three. But, like, you would really think one of those guys would have a goal. And the fact that they're not using Farabee really on the power play is nuts. Yeah, that's still crazy to me. I don't I don't know what the deal is with that. Like, he, he – I, I thought he was outstanding against the Oilers. Um, like, so the, the, all right. So the Oilers game, it, it, five, two Oilers, Carter Hart led in five goals. I, I thought Carter Hart was the best player in the game. And I know that that might sound weird because he gave up five goals, but like he was the reason the Flyers were even in the game, like from the start, like he made several monster saves in the game's first 40 minutes. And then that God awful Cam Atkinson penalty, like kind of, it kind of doomed them at the end of the second period. And then it just kind of snowballed from that point on like that, that's that remind that like point in the game reminded me of like the flyers from a couple years ago. Whereas like the yeah. one bad thing happens and then it just keeps getting worse and worse. Like that's what that reminded me of. Well, that's the kind of team that if you give them just one inch, they will take a mile yeah. because they are that talented. Like that's a team you really do have to bring your a game against. And look, I know they've had struggles this year, but they're still one of the most talented teams in the league. There's just, they have two top five players. I'm sorry. There's just like no doubt about it. Like that's a team that you just can't fuck around with. And I don't know if the flyers were just gassed at that point. They needed some home cooking. Whatever it was, it wasn't happening that night. And they hung tough for a couple periods. But as soon as they let their foot off the gas, the Oilers took advantage. Connor McDavid literally had five points. Like, he had a goal and f four primary assists. Like He's just unbelievable, unless he's playing against he's Brandon fucking Manning for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> he's a freak. He, he's out of control. And it's like Yarmir Yager back in the day. So like there's the McDavid Manning thing. And that reminds me of like Yager used to get shut down by one player. And that was Chris Terrian. It made no sense. Yager, one of the best players of all time, all time would get shut down by Chris Terrian. Made no sense to me. Well, maybe Chris Terrian's one of the greatest players of all time. I'm going to have no comment on that front. All right. Yeah. Be that way. I'm just gonna, I'm um, gonna, I'm going <laughs> to leave it that way. I'm going to say, I'll, you know, hot take, but Chris Terrian was no Yaramir Yager. That's yeah. uh, the most I will say on the topic. That is most certainly a take, Steve. Um, all right. So yeah. let's let's see. I, I mean, but yeah, I, I mean, Connor McDavid, is he that was him. 
like Tuesday night, that was Connor McDavid being is the dude, man, being but a he's god. Unreal. Yeah, he was being he, a god Tuesday night. He man. is a he is a hockey god. Like he is already maybe the most talented player of all time. I saw the craziest stat. He is twenty six years old. He already literally keep that number in your head. Twenty. He is twenty six years old. He already has more career points than fucking. Um, Holy shit. Uh, I just forgot his first name somehow. He Peter- just hit 900, right? Yeah. He has more points than Peter Forsberg. That's insane. Peter Forsberg. That's insane. Like and literally, Peter Forsberg played a long damn time. Yeah. Like literally one of the greatest players from the 90s and early 2000s, early to mid 2000s. And McDavid already at 26 years old has more points than him. He has 900 points in 602 games. He is the fifth fastest in NHL history. This is per TSN. Uh, so he's behind Peter Stasny, who had uh, 900 in 599 games. Mike Bossy, who had 900 in 582 games. Mario Lemieux, who had 900 in 463 games. And of course, the great one, the goat Wayne Gretzky, who did it in 385 games. <laughs> Jeez. That's it. That is just yeah. Like I know we're talking about a different game, but listen, you can talk all you you can talk all the shit you want on Gretz, but the stats are unreal. And look, nobody else did it. Okay, if it if it was that easy, everybody would have done it, and Gretz did it like nobody could. Three nine hundred points in three hundred eighty five games is just the most silly shit I've ever heard of. And dude, McDavid doing it in six hundred two games is also just unreal. Yeah, is just to do it in this modern game with the level of talent that the goaltenders have, with the equipment the goaltenders have, with the conditioning everybody in the league has. It's just sick. The guy is from another planet. It makes me wonder. Like stats like that make me wonder. Like. When's the like when the next phenom and like don't get me wrong like McDavid is a phenom but Bedard is a phenom like he'll eventually be one of dude the Bedard is lighting up the NHL. league already and yeah I hate that he's on Chicago because he's so much fun yeah he's great I love him he's great like, I love his personality like he did the Michigan the other day yeah it was sweet it was awesome we had two Michigan him and in Trevor Zegras yeah yeah it was awesome it was it's awesome. funny how like, like Trevor Zegras so much fun. Trevor Zegras doesn't. It's just like okay, <laughs> like whatever. But then Connor, Trevor Zegras, it's like Tuesday. Yeah, like it's not. It's not a big deal. That's just what it's what he does. But then Connor Bedard did it for the first time, and everyone's losing their minds, and it's it's fun. I mean, but. it's fun, man. Like there is a level of fun that these guys are bringing to the league that it desperately needs. And you know, also almost got a Michigan the other day. Matvey Mishkov. I was about to say, so it, it's going to be, it's really funny because right now we're seeing all these young players coming into the league and doing the Michigan lacrosse goal. And it, it's, it makes me laugh because I know that Mishkov is going to come in and in year one of the Flyers, he's going to score like five Michigan goals because that's what he, he tries it like once a game, like once a week or something it. crazy. And you know, I for a fact, so bad. you know, for a fact that when he scores multiple if not several Michigan goals in his rookie year, the NHL all of a sudden is going to come up with a rule that Michigan is the Michigan goal is no longer allowed. Philly can't have nice things, man. That's why the tush push is going to get banned. You know, the yeah. brotherly shove is going to get banned because we're not allowed to have fun things. And that's exactly what's going to happen. You're a hundred percent right about that. I know it's oh. going to happen because Mishkov is literally going to score like four Michigan goals in his rookie year. And then they're just going to outlaw the Michigan because they're going to say, Oh, it's take, it takes away from the game. And it's like, you're doing this because a flyer's doing it is what's going on. I need him here so bad. Like I, it's going to be a long, long few years with a lot of just ugly rumors flying around. And it's going to be unbearable because we're also going to see these highlights of him just being unreal in the meantime. Yeah. Like the highlights I saw the other day were just, you know, I think I've described it as such before, but it's the Vince McMahon in the chair. That's me watching those like, going like oh, my God, yeah. like it is. It is so cool to think that this guy might be a flyer and I'm trying to not have any of the bad vibes come in about any of those rumors or anything, because I just want to think positive about the fact that we could actually have a nice thing and have this great hockey player who just looks unreal so far, please hockey gods. I need this so bad, but he, you know, don't get nervous in the league. 
don't get nervous until there's a reason to be nervous. I right agree. now, I, I don't agree think there's that. a reason to be nervous. Yeah. It's too early to tell. Let's just go with the flow and let's be excited, man. Because like, I think the league is headed in a very fun direction and the flyers could actually be in on the fun. And I want that to happen. I mean, you've got Mishkov on the way and a guy who will probably be here before that is cutter Gautier, who is just tearing it up at world juniors. I mean, he's not scoring goals, but this, this dude has a ton of assists. He is a pivotal part of team USA so far. So it's funny you mentioned, I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the Vince McMahon uh, meme because the other day I posted, uh, it was after the United States beat, who was it? Um, not Slovakia. Who's that other team? <laughs> Who's that other country? The, uh, the maroon country. Czechia. No, they're like maroon and white. Um, how am I forgetting the name of literally one of the, Latvia, Latvia. Um, I think it was the Latvia game. It might be someone else. I don't know. But like, I was reading the game recap uh, on IIHF's website, and basically there was this paragraph uh, that basically said, in the third period, Cutter Gauthier sent a Wayne Gretzky-style pass from behind the net to Oliver Moore, who stretched the lead to 7-1. to one. <laughs> And I, I just screenshotted that little mini paragraph and then po- posted the uh, – uh, Vince McMahon in the chair meme as well. And it's just like that. That's what flyers like. That's something the flyers need so badly is someone who like can get behind the net, perhaps on the power play. And then, you know, it results in a goal. Like that's, that's, that's the sexy stuff right there. Steve. Dude, if there's a time where you need somebody like that, that's, that's something the power play needs. They need a guy who can be a little creative and really dish the puck. I mean, the flyers passing, this is something my dad's always complained about the Flyers is that they have just, they've always had shitty passing. They've never been a particularly good passing team. So to get somebody with some silky mitts like Cutter Gauthier in there and to see him feeding guys like Bobby Brink and Tyson Forrester, you know, not even thinking about Mishkov, just thinking about those guys right there. Yeah, yeah. That sounds awesome. That you know, just th- thinking about even just that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Konechny, Kateri, like having Gauthier possibly, you know, like on the power play, you know. Throwing, throwing some sauce across the ice to connect me or someone else. Like, that's that's what you want to see. Like, it's exciting. So, I yeah. also just love seeing a guy step up on the big stage like this. You know, it's great experience. And you do see guys who win at, you know, certain levels keep on winning at the bigger levels. You know, like those guys like Mike Richards over there, you know, they're, those guys will win at all levels because they're, you know, Sometimes winners win, you know, yeah. simplifying yeah. to say, but it's, it's great experience for him to go through that. And I, I, you know, hopefully team USA pulls it out. I mean, seeing Canada eliminated is definitely a, a big plus for USA in this tournament. What's cool about Gauthier's performance in the junior world juniors is like, he's performing really, really well, but not in the way people expected him to like, he's known for his like NHL ready shot. Like, he has an excellent shot that, like, already could be a legitimate weapon on an NHL team today. And instead of scoring a ton of goals in the World Juniors, he has nine assists in five games. So it's like, you know, you'd like to see that, too. Like, he's more than just I a love goal. the balance. Yeah. Get you a guy who can do it all. Yeah, get you a man who can do both. Yeah, exactly. Can do both. I, I, I it's... It gets me legitimately pumped, man. Like, Cutter is the real deal, it seems, so far. And I'm very excited to see him up. So what's the earliest at this point we could see him in a Flyers uniform? So, okay. So I actually touched on this a tiny bit during the... Uh, in one of my stories that I did, basically, it, it was about, like, New Year's resolutions for the Flyers going into the year. And basically, it, it kind of depends. So it depends on when his season ends. So... Right now, Cutter Goche is playing with Boston College, which by all accounts is an absolute wagon in college hockey. Like they are like if if not the number one most likely team to win the national championship, they're most certainly up there. Um, That's a program, man, that is that is always up there. They are a perennial powerhouse. Yeah. Boston College is unreal. So like it it really depends on when their season ends, because if they go to the national championship, it could it could take a while. Um, but there is a possibility that Gauthier's season could end a little early 
and then maybe he could, you know, immediately after his season ends with Boston College, he were to, he could, you know, sign his entry level contract, join the Flyers immediately for a like, you know, potential playoff run or something like oh, that. Oh baby, now you're talking my language. Vince McMahon has fallen out of the chair. Let's fucking go. So there is a possibility that could happen, but that's not guaranteed because one, like I mentioned, Boston College is dynamite. They're incredibly good and they're probably the favorite to win the national championship. And two, like we also need to figure out if Gauthier will want to join the Flyers at the end of the season. Like he has not been shy about like he's loved his time in college. Um, he has been, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why he decided to come to return to college. He's enjoyed college. He's enjoyed Boston college. And he has made it clear that his goal is to win a national championship with the Eagles, Boston college Eagles. So, um, go birds, go birds. And so uh, who knows? Like, it's not exactly a guarantee that he'll join the flyers when Boston college's season's over. Like he still has to choose to sign his entry level contract and then join the flyers for a potential, you know, chance to clinch a playoff spot or, or during the playoffs even, but that's not a guarantee. He still needs to make that choice and who knows where his head will be at the end of the season. So it's possible he could join them, but uh, just don't don't put money down that it's like an absolute guarantee. Now, what about next season? Like, are we talking about the realistic possibility that Cutter Gauthier is an opening night player for the Philadelphia Flyers? You would you would hope so, right? I mean, the Flyers picked him what fourth overall uh, a couple of years ago, or one year ago, a year and a half ago. So it's. You would hope that he'd be ready to go, um, and you would hope once again. It, it depends on him signing his entry level contract. Like you would hope that he'd be ready to come to the NHL and make the leap. Um, and you know, there there was a lot of people saying, "Oh, he hates he hates John Tortorella. He's not going to join the Flyers until Torts is gone." And I don't think that's true at all. Um, but uh, he needs Are to those be the Kevin Hayes stands. Yeah. Who knows? I have no idea. Are there Kevin Hayes stands? I guess there are. I'm sure there are. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got a stand except for us, but, but yeah, that's all right. But I that's think, right. I think he will, it all depends on when he's ready. I don't know if he's going to be ready next season. One would expect him to be ready. If he's, if he's, if he's not like dedicated and ready to make the lead to the NHL, next season, then that kind of, I don't know if it concerns me, but I'm definitely like, damn dude. Like, isn't this kind of your whole dream is to come to the NHL and you don't want to come to the NHL. Like that, that'd be kind of like an interesting timeline to be dealing with, but I don't want to deal with that timeline. I don't like interesting in this case, like (laughs) with all the prospects, I don't want interesting. I don't want Mishkov to have anything interesting happen. I want him to just finish his KHL contract to come over and same with cutter. I don't want anything interesting. You know what? Finish out this year, bud, go win your national championship then come on down to Philly and have some cheesesteaks or have a great time. If everything goes according to plan, that's what will happen. Like at the, a lot of people are hoping that, oh, as soon as the season's over, he signs his ELC and joins the Flyers. Like, I, I'm not sure if that's a guarantee, but like more the more likely than not, I would anticipate that he would sign his ELC in time for training camp and then join the Flyers next season. That that's we're what, all going that, to John's Roast Pork. We're gonna do it up. We're going to John's Roast Pork. Yeah. And- we're going to go over to, to some of my favorite breweries and we're going to have a grand old time in South Phil. All right. It'll be ex- excellent. But yeah, that's yeah. what, that's what I see as being like the, like the most logical path. Like maybe he doesn't join the flyers this season, but like next season he, he should be in the system. Let's go, buddy. Let's go. If I dude, if I see him in a play, if the flyers make the playoffs and I see cutter Gauthier playing, I am going to lose my shit. We're going to, I am going to go atomic in a good way. Bourbon Steve is going to come out to play. So I'm not trying to like throw this out into the universe and just to, you know, get people's hopes. Trying to manifest this. Let's manifest. Let's put it up on our vision board, Quiggs. It's, it's hard to compare these two players because they play two completely different positions and they're two totally different levels of skill and everything. But could you imagine if like Cutter Gauthier, like his season ended early with Boston College. He signs his ELC with the Flyers. He joins the Flyers to help them gear up for a playoff run. And then he goes to the playoffs with the Flyers and he he plays like 
Kale McCarr did when he first joined the Avalanche. Like, he just has that, like, first stint in the NHL, and he's just immediately, like, ready, you know? Vince McMahon's going to set the chair on fire if you do this. It would be incredible. That would be fun. Like, we so are, we much are owed fun. this. We are fucking owed this after the whole thing with Nolan Patrick, okay? Like, the hockey gods owe us big time for that. If if Gauthier and Mitchkoff both, like, pan out, that more than makes up for the Nolan Patrick debacle, I think. Nolan Patrick and countless others, you know, Jay O'Brien. Uh, yeah. The, like, the list goes, Samuel Moran, like, the list goes on and on and on. And all apologies to the Moran Mafia, but also sorry, not sorry. He didn't work out. Ivan Fedota, like, all the crazy shit that's happened to the Flyers, like. Ivan Provarov. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, there is a long, long, long laundry list of complaints we can have against the hockey gods at this point. But it all, you know what? If I can have some fun, exciting, potentially Stanley Cup contending hockey in a few years, I will be very, very happy. And for this year, I'll just take some excitement. I'd love a playoff game or two. I would love it. I would just love to even be on the co- you know, on the edge at this point. You know, like, look, I know they got a better draft pick at the tank and all that, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I want to be thrilled. I want to be excited. I want to watch a damn playoff game with a bunch of you maniacs over at, like, some sort of bar in the city, okay? I want to get a whole room of people going, let's go Flyers, and have a great time. I'm, dude, I'm actually, like, getting pumped up just talking about it right now. Like, I am buzzing. And this is such a great thing to hear. Like, people have been so just like tuned out on the flyers the last few years because they've been bad. But like now that they're starting to like, you know, gain momentum again, fans are starting to come back and it's like fun to hear them, you know, talking about this. It's, it's fun to hear fans basically saying like, you know, yeah, like we're, we're ready to start watching this team again. We'll go to games, you know, like to me, that's a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm excited to see what, what kind of, what comes out of it. I have to make my triumphant return to the FARC. I haven't been back. I haven't been back in a couple of years. Like I got to make my return and it's, it's going to happen soon. All right. I don't know when, but I'm going back and we're going to have some damn good time. Who knows if, uh, if you know what's going to happen here. I, here's another thing to keep in mind. The Flyers have two first round picks this year. Assuming oh, wow. the uh, Florida Panthers don't, uh, get a top 10 pick because it's top 10 protected. So I'm it, pretty sure that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know? So Florida is, who knows? Oh, I, you know, let me look at the standings. Cause I don't exactly know where Florida is, but I felt pretty confident. Yeah. They're in second place. Yeah, They're they doing are, well, which honestly I'm well, kind of surprised about because I didn't think they were going to be that great this year. 23, 12 and two 48 points. Second only to the Bruins in the Atlantic. Uh, doing pretty darn well. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Only, only five points ahead of your Philadelphia hockey flyers, however. Oh, wow. That's honestly, I can't, I still can't believe this season so far. Like granted, the flyers are only three points away from being in seventh place in in the division. You know, it's a pretty precarious point in the standings, but the fact that they're up there, the fact that they're not down in the the gutter with the blue jackets and the the blue jackets gutter is not terribly far you know they have 32 points let's see where they are overall in the nhl you know they're in they're 28th you know the, the blue jackets are not the worst the flyers division is not quite as abysmal as it could be you know like the san jose sharks are out there with 21 points fellas right, yeah Oof. yeah san jose uh, i haven't even looked at the bottom of the standings in a bit san jose doesn't have double digit wins yet I mean, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're nine twenty six and three. I'm looking at the standings and I'm just laughing because I feel so bad for Claude Giroux. I know. Bring him home. Pick him up. Ottawa Senators, man. I dude, I really was high on the Senators before the season. I really thought they were going to be. I, said, I was high on them too, man. I said DJ Smith was going to win the Jack Adams, and then he got fired. He got fired. Like. It's just honestly, I I think it's a two horse race right now between Tortorella and Tockett. I I mean, I think it has to be. I think it's got to be Tortorella or Tockett. Um, yeah, I don't know who else would. I mean, it depends on who. Fi- probably depends on who finishes higher in the standings because yeah. they're both kind of stunners. I mean, I 
I feel like I'm less stunned about Vancouver just because of Vancouver's talent level, you know, looking over at, at Demko and Pedersen and all that, like they have a lot of really, really good players on their team. The Flyers are way more surprising to me, but you know, it's also some bias on my part because I thought the Flyers were going to be a bottom five team. Part of me wonders if Lavi would be in consideration for the Jack Adams, but like, this is just kind of what he does. Like he takes over teams and he's great. Like immediately. And oh, then, for like three, four years, yeah. he's really, really good. And then he and gets then fired, he falls goes somewhere off, else, and does it again. He falls off a fucking cliff, man. Yeah. Like, it's Wiley Coyote. He's great for a few years, and then he just sucks. And that's just that's what he does. He has like a three to four year shelf life, and then he goes. But he to might win you a cup in that three to four years. You know, it's it's definitely worth the lava, the hot lava experience there. He might. He just might do it. Just might do it, but I hope he doesn't. <laughs> no offense to uh, Peter Laviolette, who I, I like a lot, but, you know, chomping on that gum over there. But I, I sure as shit hope he does not win a cup this year. Would not be fun to watch, honestly, in my opinion. But No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. But, you know, hopefully the Flyers can pick back up with some home cooking. They have the next four back at the Wells Fargo Center. So they are back in Philly. And who is next up on the old docket there? They have Columbus Blue Oh, Jets. the Columbus Blue If There is a team to bounce back against. It's Elvis Merzlikens and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Maybe that will be the, the get right game. But we've we've seen what has happened with the Eagles in get right games recently. So. Oh, God. I, don't, I thank God I did not win. the. My work was giving away sideline passes and tickets to that game. And thank God I didn't win it because I might have just burned all my Eagles stuff when I got home. Let me just say this. Fuck Jonathan Gannon, man. I fucking, I fucking hate that guy. Like, listen, I'm, I would spit on him. I cannot stand that guy, dude. Like he's He's the worst. He's absolutely horrible. People act like, Oh, he had no impact on, you know, like the Eagles defense being bad this year. He totally screwed up the timeline for the Eagles. Like everything about like, what a piece of shit. Oh, I'm like, staying. And then he, he fucking sleepwalked through the Super Bowl and then took a job the next day because he wasn't thinking about it. Like, no, fuck that guy. Dude is a clown. Like, literally yeah, grade sucks. A clown. He's, he's a public awful. enemy number one. Never say hello to that man. Never offer him a nice pasta dinner at your home. None of that. Not a friend of the show, Jonathan Gannon. Not, no, decided enemy of the show, Jonathan Gannon. Yeah. He's up there with noted war criminal Scott Stevens and sister-in-law lover Marty Brodeur. Yeah, I mean, get the fuck out of here, Gannon. Get the fuck out of here. So the Flyers have come back to the Flyers. Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, Calgary Flames, Pittsburgh Penguins, and Montreal Canadiens. Frankly, all winnable games. It would be wonderful to see the Flyers just take advantage and uh, have a nice four-game win, four winning streak at home. That'd be amazing. That would be amazing and fun. I would enjoy watching yeah. it. But, you know, I'll take a few wins and some points. Uh, by the way, the game on January 6th, why did they do that? Uh, against the Flames, that'll be the Ed Snyder, um, I guess, mem- is it memorial game? Is it like honor game? I'm forgetting the exact uh, terminology here, but it's a, a game celebrating Ed Snyder, so that should be a, a nice time for all involved. It would be funny if the Flyers played like the, the Hurricanes on January 6th, just so we could get confirmation about a certain former Flyers exact whereabouts oh, on January 6th. Thank God that didn't happen. Thank God they didn't actually do that. That would have been fun. It would be too hard for me to not crack a hundred jokes. Like I would have to just open, you know, I, I probably would have to get a phone line going to just take just dunks from people for, for hours on that topic. It would be great. It's a shame that's not <sighs> happening. Call our for old friend, Dr. Dunks to get in there and, and just let, you know, smash the backboard with all those yeah. uh, TDA <laughs> jokes. But yeah, Dr. Dunks is not in the building and, and thankfully they're just playing Calgary. So we're not, we're not even gonna, we're not going to touch the low hanging fruit here and just say, enjoy honoring Mr. Snyder that day. And, uh, that's that, but should be a, a nice time. But regardless, I want the Flyers to bounce back nicely on this uh, this homestand here. They really need to. I mean, this is a precarious situation. A couple losses, and they are in seventh again. And I like being near the top of the standings. I have liked it a lot. I want to keep it going. Same here. It's been fun. 
I've been I've, this last like week has been a little tough watching like because you're so you over the last like month and a half we've been so used to watching the Flyers be like consistently playing well and now that they're going through this little rough patch it's kind of like oh this doesn't feel good whereas the last few years we were like yeah keep losing you know so it's kind of oh, it's, sure. it's it's good to like feel feelings again it is good to feel feelings again it's good to feel passion in this again, you know, not that I haven't felt passionate about the podcast because, like, you know, I, I certainly went on some diatribes last year, but I I feel good passion, and I've really been enjoying talking about this this hockey club again, and uh, I hope you all are enjoying it as well. And I got to say, one thing I did enjoy was uh, talking about some of the the crossover with like video games and stuff that we did uh, a week or two ago, and I got a great tweet from uh, Kelsey underscore said on Twitter. And Kelsey said, listening to your December 21st discussion about player character tat combos for the longest time, whenever you say TK, my brain always launches into the Donkey Kong rap with TK Donkey Kong. (laughs) So that's my pitch for a TK tat. You're welcome. Kelsey, I cracked up over this because I have always thought the DK Donkey Kong rap is one of the funniest damn things I hear while playing a game. When I'm playing Smash Brothers and I hear DK Donkey Kong, I just like, I'm like, this is the weirdest shit ever. And I've never thought TK instead of DK. I don't know why that's never popped into my head because, you know, I always think of the jerk store and all that with him. But that's forever embedded into my brain now. TK for the Donkey Kong rap. Some way, somehow, I'm going to incorporate that into the live tweeting of the games from the BSH account. I mean, if anybody in the Donkey Kong universe, and granted, I only really played the original Donkey Kong Country, but if TK is anybody, he is Diddy Kong, right? Like, he's definitely got that Diddy Kong uh, mischievousness about him. Diddy Kong, he's like Scrappy-Doo. What else? Yeah, He's kind of like Meowth from Pokemon also, I feel like. So... Mm -hmm. Somebody, somebody in the Slack, I think it was Italian Joe, had some feedback on the Pokemon front, but I've forgotten it, so I apologize to Joe on that front. And that's a legit apology. Because Bill, when I say I am all the way back in the Pokemon universe right now, you have no idea. Like, oh, I went yeah. ahead, I bought a, a charger for my old Nintendo DS Beautiful. from forever ago. I'm playing Pokemon Leaf Green right now. I Your blanket at night is a Pokeball. Oh, I would take, so I don't have that blanket, but I would love that blanket. So I'm sure it exists. Like I just made, I know it exists. exists. It definitely does. So, but I am so sucked in. Like I'm playing Pokemon go. I'm going for long, like five mile walks every day, (laughs) every day to just get my steps in and hatch some eggs. And, uh, then I'm, yeah. And then I come home and guess what I'm doing there? Playing more fucking Pokemon. So there you go. Getting healthy and, uh, taking in the, the local pokey, pokey men. That's right. Yeah. It's it's yes. nice. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so I only have two opinions about the Donkey Kong universe here. It's uh, first that TK is Diddy Kong, but the other one is Torts 100% is Cranky Kong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100,000% John Tortorella is Cranky Kong. And uh, sadly, if anybody from this current iteration of the team is uh, Donkey Kong himself, it would be Nick DeLorean. I was going to say, it has, <laughs> it has to be. Uh, he's a hulking figure who I could see just wearing a tie out and about. Uh, healthy scratch, Nick DeLorean. Oh, wow. That's, oh, wow. Uh, that, that was a legit shocker right there. And guess what? <laughs> that was one of their worst losses of the season. So maybe he's going mistake. right back in the lineup. So. He's going right back. He's never in. been I mean, scratched again. I'm no, I'm no D'Lo fan, but uh, listen, I mean, the, the man, I guess he. He brings the locker room together. I don't even know what to say. Puck don't point. lie, Steve. Puck don't lie. Puck don't lie. I mean, they were playing the Edmonton Oilers, granted, who are, you know, they have two of the greatest players in the game. But, you know, hey, John Tortorella sees one thing, and the team lost without D'Lo in there. So that's uh, I mean, I'm get, a night off. I'm going to go on record and say, perhaps w- this is going out a limb, but I don't think the Flyers would have won if Deloria played. Yeah, I don't think he was going to score, you know, three goals in there. Just a hunch. He may have. He might have. But, but uh, I I don't think I would have taken that action. I, I would. Yeah, I would not have put money on that at all. So. No, definitely not. That is not my my bet of the week right there. Not my lock of the week. 
Uh, Yeah, absolutely not. No, not a chance in hell. All right, folks. Well, that's it. That's it. That's all there is. Thank you so much for listening. We love and treasure you all. If you are new to the show, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate and review on your podcast service of choice. We've got Spotify. We got Apple Podcasts. I think we're on Google. I think we're on Amazon. We're on a whole bunch of stuff. Be sure to rate and review wherever you can. We truly do appreciate. We love you all. Quigs, if people have feedback for you, where's the best place to reach you? Oh, man. You want to reach me? You can find me at Ryan Quiggs with a Z on the Twitter. Uh, and uh, man, I don't know where else. Uh, well, yeah, you can find me at Ryan Quiggs with a Z on basically any social media thing. So, yeah, there you go. You got to love that consistency. You can also find me at Fly Purpley on most of the social medias. You can find me over at Twitter or X or whatever the hell you want to call it. You can find me over at Blue Sky. You can find me on Instagram. You can kind of find me on TikTok. I'm on that stuff. Hooray, hooray. But yeah. Thanks for following. That's the best place to reach us. All right, folks. Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, 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 wow. And one more time, thanks to the good people over at Bet Online for sponsoring this show. Be sure to use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.